This episode of Masters of the Cinematic Universe is brought to you by Mo DeWitt and DeWitt Law Firm. Maybe you get in an accident chasing down a homicidal liquid metal machine from the future, or a time-traveling car sends you skidding into a truck full of manure. Perhaps a homicidal child cracks your skull open with a paint can this holiday season. Mo understands that every case is unique. If you're injured on the go, just call Mo. And we're back, and I'm eating a banana. <laughs> I know, and I'm, I I, I'm I'm just watching you eat the banana stuff, so I'm so quiet. No, right? Like, mm. I got to get some of that sweet sugar in me. I'm like, call me Skeeter. I didn't have Migs. I didn't have Migs to help me out. Well, you can call me. You can call me Skeeter, and you'll be my Doug. Yeah, exactly. So, do I get to be Patty Mayonnaise? Sure. No. I'm down with that. All right. So we're back. Uh, um, we are now. <laughs> Listen. Sorry. I love it, Eric. You can be my patty mayonnaise. Anytime. I don't know why I'm so red. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so red. I just at the screen. I'm like, I am kind of red. Well, his whole, your whole. Your whole image is red. It's not you. Also, I've been drinking this, and it was up to here. Oh, and it's called Ensign Red. <laughs> Birthday cake Canadian whiskey. What the fuck is wrong with you? It's oh, delicious. No. It's 35%. Like, what the fuck is... Birthday cake flavored whiskey. <laughs> what, what do you... I, mean, I, I, I got I got. Nothing. I'm with Doug. The question is not so much why are you drinking it now. It's when you went to the store and you saw it on the right? shelf. Right? Why did your brain go? Yep, put it in the cart. Uh, why not? I don't know. I'm like the grandmaster. It's my birthday. Uh, it's my birthday. Uh, wow. Wait, do we even have that around here, Doug? Or is no, it's illegal. Okay. It's against <laughs> the law to sell that here. I, well, I, I, I was oh, like, that's not true. Because you can be Patriots fans up there, and that's way worse. Okay. Uh, then I was like, oh yeah, Florida. Let's get on with the episode. Yes. <laughs> Birthday cake flavored whiskey. Holy fuck. Right. Anyway, we're back at the Baltimore hospital. Uh, Chilton, he, uh, Dr. Chilton, he, uh, pays a visit to Lecter in his cell. Uh, he's there to inform him that the deal that Clarice had presented is complete and total bullshit. Um, but that he's worked his own deal out with Senator Martin to get Lecter moved to a state facility in Tennessee if he provides Buffalo Bill's name. Lecter agrees, but only gives Chilton Bill's first name. And he's only he'll only provide the last name to the to Senator Martin herself. And I want to go back to the deal that Clarice laid out when she talked about uh, Lecter being able to sort of vacation on Plum Island. I have I have traveled past Plum Island more times than I can count because it's right off the coast of the North Fork of Long Island. So whenever I take the ferry from um, New London, Connecticut down to Greenport, it goes right by Plum Island. Like you can see the beach that Lecter would have been walking on like a hundred yards off the boat. So I haven't caught any anthrax, so they must have that place locked (laughs) down pretty tight. But yeah, I've countless times I've, I've, I've uh, traveled right past that. So, uh, so um, 
during this scene, the entire time we see Lecter eyeballing Chilton's discarded pen, which goes back to the rules that were read in the fact that Chilton broke his own rules, bringing a pen into Lecter's cell. Uh, so we obviously know very easily that something's going to come down to that pen and Lecter yep. uh, eventually, you know? Um, right after that scene, Crawford is now, he's being admonished by the FBI director for laying out that fake deal thing. Um, Crawford knew it was a bad idea, but it was the only play he had. So he had to do it. And by the way, the FBI director is played by Roger Corman. Um, he is the legendary schlock horror director, Roger Corman. I don't know. Do you know him, Eric? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm just, I figured you would. Um, yeah. He, he, he directed most of the, I've talked in the past about when I was growing up, the, the four thirty movie on, on the ABC channel from four thirty to six o'clock, five days a week. And when they would have horror week and it'd be all the old Vincent Price movies, Roger Corman and, 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 uh, and, directed or produced most of those movies you know the pit the pendulum and all that shit and um he was he he he, he gave jack nicholson his start too because jack nicholson acted in a lot of those schlock horror movies too back in the early 60s and, and mid 60s and corman gave him his start so he just has a, a quick cameo as the fbi director um so uh the fbi director also lets uh crawford know that lector i mean Let's Lecter know. Let's Crawford know that Lecter is being transferred to Memphis. Um, we are now at the Memphis airport. Um, Lecter is wheeled into a hangar. Um, he is straightjacketed, strapped to a hand truck, which I think is like amazing, and wearing this half hockey mask gadget that is like the calling card for this movie, as has been talked about already. It is like the thing that people know about this movie again even if they haven't seen it it's that half hockey mask thing he's got on his face I believe it was fiberglass too I think Becca was saying that it was made of fiberglass but they left it raw because it was creepier they didn't didn't finish it I can totally see that I like how they just put him on a furniture dolly too (laughs) no exactly they strap him in put him in a straight jacket and strap him to the they could have just put him in a wheelchair or something no the fucking furniture dolly like lay his ass down exactly and my understanding is I don't know the exact number, but there were quite a few different mask styles that were tried before that. And, and that was the one that was picked because it was the most creepy and, Ooh. and it allowed, they didn't want to cover his eyes because, because uh, Hopkins was acting with his eyes in this, his eyes were like, yeah, he was emoting so much with his eyes, and they had to have that part of it open so you could see his eyes. Yeah, you know? I heard someone was in the back going, These eyes, yes, these eyes have seen a lot of love, but they're never gonna see another love like the one that they had in you. And they were, his these eyes, eyes. Were, all right, haunting. All right. <laughs> I'm doing the whole his super bad Michael Sarah. In, in his scene, in this scene, his eyes were the opposite of a shark's eyes, like a dog's yeah. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's such an iconic visual because this motherfucker is so dangerous that they can't even let him walk in handcuffs. Like he's just mm-hmm. yeah. completely immobilized. Yes. It's there's something I don't know. It just sells the idea that like this guy is not to be fucked with. The most yeah. dangerous man on the planet. He's got a wall. He's got a wallet. And Earth. if you reach in, it says bad motherfucker. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so uh 
Chilton has to sign some paperwork to uh, confirm the transfer. And guess what? <laughs> of course, Joe's got a wallet that says bad motherfucker on it. Um, <laughs> well done. Chilton, guess what? Cannot find his pen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> his pen's missing, but he doesn't think anything of it. So he gets another pen and he signs the paperwork. Uh, we've got another clip. This is the shortest clip in the book, I think. Actually, no, it's not. There's, there's two no, it's short, not. There's right. two there shorter. is one that's a little shorter, but all right. Senator Martin, Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Dr. Lecter, I brought an affidavit guaranteeing your new rights. You want to read it before I sign. I won't waste your time or Catherine's time bargaining for petty privileges. Clarice Starling and that awful Jack Crawford have wasted far too much time already. I only pray they haven't doomed the poor girl. Let me help you now, and I will trust you when it is all over. You have my word, Paul. Buffalo Bill's real name is Louis Friend. I met him just once. He was referred to me in April or May 1980 by my patient Benjamin Raspell. They were lovers, you see. But Raspell had become very frightened. Apparently, Lewis had murdered a transient and done things with the skin. We need his address and a physical description. Tell me, Senator, did you nurse Catherine yourself? What? Did you breastfeed her? Now, wait a minute. Yes, I did. Toughened your nipples, didn't it? Oh, son of a bitch! Amputate a man's leg and he can still feel it tickling. Tell me, Mom, when your little girl is on the slab, where will it tickle you? Take this thing back to Baltimore. Five for ten, strongly built, about 180 pounds. Hair blonde, eyes pale blue. He'd be about 35 now. He said he lived in Philadelphia, but may have lied. That's all I can remember, Mom. But if I think of any more, I will let you know. Oh, and Senator, just one more thing. Love your suit. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great scene, and it's important to pull the clip for it. But that I pulled the clip because that's one of my favorite throwaway lines of the movie. Is oh, Senator, one more thing. Love your suit. I just love the way he <laughs> says that yeah. to her. Also, like uh, after, the sensation he's talking about is called the Phantom Limb. Yes, exactly. Um, which the reason I learned that was from watching the Venture Brothers. And there's a character in there called the Phantom Limb who has no limbs, has no arms, but he like can still walk around and shit. I love it. He's just a torso it. with a head. Yeah. I love there's, that show. That's that's a cartoon you may actually like, Doug. You may like no, the Venture Brothers. So. No, I think, think you so. would. Okay. I think you'd enjoy that one. I think okay. I'm gonna I think I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna watch an episode and I'm gonna go, Joe, it's too much. What do you think, Eric? <laughs> yeah. No, there's no way. You really don't think so? No. I, I think he would enjoy the Venture Brothers. Joe's an optimist. I think that's what it comes down no, to. No, like the eternal. I, I do think you'd enjoy because it it's 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 like the art style, like the Hanna Barbera art style. Doesn't okay. matter. No. And and like <laughs> it's about this like family that like is like a super scientist in like 
listen, Joe, I was listening to Just Surprise Me today when I was driving around. <laughs> when you and Will trying to convince this man to listen to hip hop and you were throwing out some listen, I like hip hop. You're throwing out some good stuff, you know, ASAP Rock and all this stuff. And I could hear Doug just like just ahawing you. Oh, I see. I thought I was playing along pretty well, making him think I was really going to. No, no, well, no. I thought, I you know, I really right thought you were like, were the kind of person that would give shit a chance. No, you know he'll what? give it a chance. I'm not he'll saying I won't. I will give it a chance. I just haven't had an opportunity. Like right. yeah, he'll give it a chance, but he'll think it sucks ass. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know me too well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all right. So we are now at the Shelby County Courthouse uh, where elector is being term- Yep. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. One, one thing I think yeah. I told you, and this is just something Becca pointed out because she's into like the true crime stuff. Yeah. At that airport scene, when there was going to be something signed for legal agreement, Lecter didn't have an attorney present or his lawyer. Oh, that's true. That was that was one um, thing that Becca pointed out. I was like, that's yeah. true. That's technically like, you know, a missed right. point. And, and I never thought of it because like, I, for I the, just assume that thing, no matter what he signed is going to be better than what he currently has. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that could yeah. be. That could yeah, be. just you know, he also like, seems like the kind of cat who would represent himself. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah that's yeah. also very true. He's certainly capable. Yeah, he might be smart enough too. You know, I think it's just one of those like uh, with the American law, you have to have your lawyer represented, but also they have to move the movie along. You know, yes, and, and exactly. For, it, it didn't. It didn't deter from the movie. You nope. know, so. But I wanted to. I would. I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out Becca's uh, true crime yep. brain. Yep. No. Definitely. Definitely. All right. So we are at the Shelby County Courthouse, which is where Lecter is temporarily being held um, before his move back to Baltimore, because I don't think that they count considered that him holding up his end of the bargain. So he's not. <laughs> he's not moving to Memphis. Uh, Chilton is the center of attention, which is the way he likes it. He's giving interviews on the courthouse steps. His grandstanding is epic. I mean, the guy's just, he, he's a pro. He really is. Is Memphis uh, really an upgrade, though? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> everything I've ever heard, no. Like Memphis is a piece of shit. <laughs> Unless they I put him in, like, the Bass Pro is. Shop's fucking pyramid. <laughs> I, I kind of heard that it's got about a two-square block good place and everything else is for shit I don't let's know. just say if you want more good rap three six mafias from memphis <laughs> that's true some that's people true. can't listen to that some of our patreon members can't listen to three six mafias. oh yeah yeah because you know it's triple six yes uh-huh. yep i don't got that pke meter Exactly. Where'd he go? I <laughs> uh, still here. Or he's still here. There he is. Oh, there he is. <laughs> there he is. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Hide and seek. No. Hide and seek champ. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> brother. Sorry. <clears throat> Not sorry. <laughs> Can you put me up for the night? <laughs> exactly. Inside jokes. Inside jokes. Uh, all right. So uh, Clarice enters the courthouse to visit Lecter another time. Um, and uh, on the elevator ride up, we see her working on anagrams for Lewis friend. Uh, Cause she's already, I mean, she's figured, she's figured Lecter out. She knows uh, what he's up to and knows that that's not a real name. And we've got our uh, last really long clip, but it's worth it. So roll it. Good evening, Clarice. I thought you might like your drawings back, Doctor. 
Just until you get your view. How very thoughtful. Or did Jack Crawford send you for one last wheedle before you're both booted off the case? No, I came because I wanted to. People will say we're in love. Anthrax Island. That was an especially nice touch, Clarice. Yours? Yes. Yeah. That was good. Pity about poor Catherine, though. Tick-tock, 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 tick-tock. Your anagrams are showing, Doctor. Lewis' friend. Iron sulfide, also known as, as fool's gold. Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. You were telling me the truth back in Baltimore, sir. Please continue now. Well, I've read the case files, have you? Everything you need to find him is right there in those pages. And tell me how. First principles, Clarice. Simplicity. Read Marcus Aurelius of each particular thing. Ask, what is it in itself? What is its nature? What does he do, this man you seek? He kills women. No, that is incidental. What is the first and principal thing he does? What needs does he serve by killing? Anger. Um, social acceptance and uh, sexual frustration. No, he covets. That is his nature. And how do we begin to covet, Clarice? Do we seek out things to covet? Make an effort to answer now. No. We just... Now, we begin by coveting what we see every day. Don't you feel eyes moving over your body, Clarice? And don't your eyes seek out the things you want? All right, yes. Now, please tell me how. No. It's your turn to tell me, Clarice. You don't have any more vacations to sell. Why did you leave that ranch? Doctor, we don't have any more time for any of this now. But we don't reckon time the same way, do we, Clarice? This is all the time you'll ever have. Later, now please listen to me. We've only got five... No, I will listen now. After your father's murder, you were orphaned. You were 10 years old. You went to live with cousins on a sheep and horse ranch in Montana. And? And one morning I just ran away. Not just, Clarice. What set you off? You started at what time? Early, still dark. Then something woke you, didn't it? Was it a dream? What was it? I heard a strange noise. What was it? It was... screaming. Some kind of screaming, like a child's voice. What did you do? I went downstairs, outside. I crept up into the barn. I was, I was so scared to look inside, but I had to. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? Lambs. They were screaming. They were slaughtering the spring lambs? And they were screaming. And you ran away? No. First I tried to free them. I, 
I opened the gate to their pen, but they wouldn't run. They just stood there, confused. They wouldn't run. But you could, and you did, didn't you? Yes. I took one lamb, and I ran away as fast as I could. Where were you going, Clarice? I don't know. I didn't have any food, any water, and it was very cold. Very cold. I thought... I thought if I could save just one, but... It was so heavy. It was so heavy. I didn't get more than a few miles when the sheriff's car picked me up. The rancher was so angry, he sent me to live at the Lutheran Orphanage in Postman. I never saw the ranch again. What became of your lamb, Clarice? still wake up sometimes, don't you? You wake up in the dark and hear the screaming of the lambs. Yes. And you think if you save poor Catherine, you could make them stop, don't you? You think if Catherine lives, you won't wake up in the dark ever again to that awful screaming of the lambs. I don't know. Tell me his name, Doctor. Doctor Chilton, I presume. I think you know each other. Okay. Let's go. It's your turn, Doctor. Out. Tell me his name. Sorry, ma'am, I've got orders. I'd put you on a plane. Come on now. Brave Clarice. Well, let me know when those lambs stop screaming, won't you? Tell me his name, Doctor. Clarice! Your case file. This guy edged me yep. with a title drop that never came, but was so close. I know. <laughs> he said, the screaming of the lambs. You motherfucker, you almost said it? Yeah, the screaming um, of the lambs is what I had after fucking eating uh, gyro today. <laughs> <laughs> there's a uh, There's a trivia piece that I believe... If you hear, if you listen closely, you can hear some like somebody in the crew dropping like a wrench in the background. But oh, they shit. like they like worked through the scene, I guess. But good actors, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm this, back. Yeah, and yeah, this is their last scene together. I think. Yes, it is. This is the fourth of four scenes that they had together. Mm-hmm. They're spaced out pretty well through the movie too. Yes. It's also but, uh, interesting how they have them like the birdcage set up in the middle of the room. Yeah. Yeah. They uh they wanted to yeah, keep him as far from exits as possible. Um I do know that the the set designers had to make the bars further apart so that they could get full shots of face uh, filming, yeah. Filming. They they were going to have him in orange jumpsuit and Anthony Hopkins suggested white. 
um, and they were worried about the lighting for how it would be. But Anthony Hopkins mentioned like there's an unsettling feeling with an all white, like a doctor or a dentist that people have these natural things towards people seeing them yes. in all white. And like you go to the dentist, people, oftentimes people don't like the also, dentist. Not and, to get a little bit ahead of ourselves here, but blood really shows up good on white. Oh, Isn't yeah. Way better than on orange. Isn't it? Oh, great? yeah. Yeah. And Very true, Joe. Yeah. So a quick bit of trivia. Um, at the end, when Clarice is removed by Dr. Chilton and he brings a couple of, you know, strong arm guys with him, George A. Romero is one of the guys. Oh, so shit, he did, really? He had a little cameo. Yeah. That's cool. Wow. That. Um, so I, he's friends with Demi as well. So, because um, Jonathan Demi did some, some like shock horror schlock horror stuff back in the day that's how he knew Corman and that's why I had Roger Corman there and the same thing with Romero so they, they grew up doing that that stuff um, together so that was pretty cool um, so this scene coming up I, I wish I wish we could show it because it's so brutal oh yeah and I'm going to try to do my best to describe it but I'm not going to do it justice but it's amazing. It's his escape scene. And um, so we cut to Lecter's cell. He's listening to some classical music as the guards are bringing him dinner. Um, they ask him to sit down on the floor and put his Which, hands through the bars. Funnily enough he, is rare lamb. Yes, exactly. He, yeah. Yeah. The guardian is the, the son of a bitch. You know, had the gall to order a second dinner, you know, rare lamb. Yeah. So they have him sit on the floor and put his hands through the bars to handcuff him. Um, we instantly see Lecter using Chilton's pen. The pen finally comes home to roost. A piece of the pen he uses to uh, pick the lock, you know, pick the handcuff locks so he can open up the handcuffs. Um, he surprises the guards as they're putting the food down. Uh, he cuffs the one guard to the bars and then brutally attacks the other one, biting him on the face and spraying him with mace. Um, Lecter then focuses on the handcuff guard and viciously beating him to death with a nightstick. And like the casualness of how he oh, yeah. does this is so fucking frightening. Like he's You're so calm, you know, they made reference to the fact that way back at the beginning of the movie, when, when Chilton, I think it was Chilton was reading the, the rules of engagement to Clarice and then showed her the picture of the nurse. They mentioned that his heart rate never got above 85. Right. Like, yeah. The guy is calm, cool, and collected while he's beating the fucking life out of this guard. And as Joe mentioned, as he's swinging the nightstick in such a strange way, but a beautiful way. It's almost, again, like he's conducting the classical piece that he's he's listening to with a nightstick while he's beating the guy. He's getting blood yep. splatter all over this white outfit that he's wearing. And again, th this description does not even come close to doing it justice. It's just, holy crap. It's 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 absolutely an amazing scene. Almost starts really that is. scene from a bad Sanders, it's like dim, psh, dim, psh, yes, dim, psh, dim, like exactly, punching and shit. exactly, and it, it's just it's absolutely brutal. There's no other way to put it. Yeah. Um, he then picks up a pocket knife from that was dropped by one of the guards, and the only words that he utters through this whole thing is, you know, he picks up the pocket knife and he opens it and he just says, "Ready when you are, Sergeant Pembry." who's the, the guard that he bit in the face and sprayed with mace. So we know something's up, you know, something, something's going to happen to this poor slob. Uh, it, it's just, it's horrible. 
down in the lobby, uh, the desk sergeant, and I got to check his name because he's apparently a country western singer. Mm-hmm. Um, what's oh, by, by the way, if you mace somebody that close, you would have your eyes would have been maced too. Yeah, like, probably. Like yeah. the vicinity of it would have been tough, but the oh, yeah. that would have hurt the plot. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's something else with the mace that happens a little bit that I was like, eh, he'd probably feel it. Yeah, he would. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Exactly. So uh, down in the lobby, the desk sergeant that's there, he notices that the elevator is headed up and then uh, that alerts the whole crew and then they hear gunshots ring out upstairs. Uh, the police cautiously but quickly head up the stairs to find a stunningly brutal scene. And I mean, this if there's a way to top the beating scene, it's yeah. this like they come into the room with with Lecter's cage and the guard one of the, the one guard that was beaten with the nightstick is strung up like a fucking angel. Yep. Like, and he's disemboweled. Like he's opened up <clears throat> from side to side. His guts are hanging out. Lecter draped the, the bunting, the red, white, and blue bunting that was around the, the this room. And it, it looks like an angel's wings. I mean, it, it's just, and then the way the lighting, the way that Demi and the, and the, and the DP set up the lighting, it just, Holy fuck. <laughs> It's messed up, man. It is messed up. Um, so they find him strung up. They find Sergeant Pembry on the ground. You can see by his face he's horribly disfigured. So you can see that that Lecter went to town on him with that pocket knife. Uh, but he's still alive. So uh, one of the guards comforts him while Pembroke. The, yeah. It's still Pembroke. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, they're they're you know he comforts him while he's. Uh, while they're waiting for the ambulance to come. Uh, the SWAT team then arrives outside and we see a young Chris Isaac, the the singer. Uh, I think it's his second movie role is in a cameo. He gets out. He's, he's the SWAT commander. Great um, mustache. And, uh, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, the SWAT team arrives as the ambulance works on Pembry. Um, as they're bringing him down in the elevator, blood starts to drip from the ceiling of the elevator down onto the stretcher with Pembry. Um, that lets everybody know that Lecter is on top of the elevator car wounded. Um, they empty the, when the elevator gets downstairs, they empty it out and the SWAT moves in. Uh, two of the SWAT team go to the floor above. They open up the elevator door and they see Lecter laying face down motionless on top of the car. Uh, they fire a warning shot into um his leg and nothing happens. One of the SWAT guys, I can't remember the actor's name, but he was, uh, damn it. I'm going to look it up. Daniel Von Bargen. He was, uh, he was in, um, I think Malcolm in the middle. He played a character. He was yep, in Seinfeld. He, he, yeah. He was the, um, he was Robocop. like the drill. He was the drill instructor in Malcolm in the middle. Yes. That's what he was. Yeah. He was in super troopers. Yeah. He he was Chief Grady in Super Troopers. Um, bunch of shit. Like yeah. so he's another another actor that popped up in this thing. So they, they fire a shot in into Lecter's leg and he's still, you know, he doesn't move. So SWAT moves into the elevator again, opens the hatch inside the elevator, and a presumably dead Lecter falls out. Uh we cut to the ambulance that's taking Pembry to the hospital, and we realize Pembry reaches up um to pull the the bandages off his face and the oxygen mask. He sits up and he actually pulls the f- face mask 
um, off and we see that it's Lecter. So Lecter, you know, made a, an actual face mask out of someone's face. Uh, he used a pocket knife to remove Pembry's face and put it on his own face. And that's fucked up. <laughs> There's no other way to put that. That is some messed up stuff. Which also um, kind of like throws back to the Buffalo Bill thing because he's using his technique. Exactly. Right. I mean, yeah, he, he's not making a woman suit. He's he's making a face mask. It's just, yeah. wow, it's it, messed up. Just think, this is going to be done later with Nicolas Cage and uh, fucking John Travolta and really suck. Yeah, that's true. Face off. And really suck. <laughs> that was a horrible movie. No, it wasn't. That's a great fucking movie. Okay, now Face you're off? just trolling me. Face Off is a no, terrible movie. I am not movie. trolling you. Face Off is a fantastic, over-the-top joyride of it's dumbness. It's so bad. And not it is in a so good way. so dumb, it's genius. Are you kidding no, me? No, I will that... give Con Air that, but not... No. No, this is better than Con Air. No, man. Yeah, Face Off is better than Look, Con Look, I need Air. Abed here to do his uh, Nicolas Cage good or bad class. Okay. <laughs> No, I'm sorry. That was a great episode. That was the one episode that broke him. <laughs> All the shit that he yes. went through in that show, that's what yes. actually broke him, was trying to figure out if Nicolas Cage was a good or a bad actor. <laughs> you know, I was telling my wife about that. Was that movie City of Angels or something where I was like giving her her brief synopsis. I was like, yeah, you know, he's an angel, falls in love with a woman. He goes mm-hmm. down to earth for the first time. He eats food for the first time. So he's still peaches, you know, like the yeah. whole thing. And then I was like, and then he dies. <laughs> Yeah, he's made a man and then he dies and I don't remember what happens after that but isn't that fucked up and she was like yeah it sounds super fucked up oh it's horrible and that's a remake of an actual French movie that is a fantastic movie uh-huh. oh, oh I yeah did not know yes. that. I don't okay. know what it's I, I think it's just called City of Angels in French but uh, that's a great like award winning movie and this movie was not it was yeah. very bad it's the uh, old, old boy remake of angel movies yeah exactly alright so we've got our next clip this is the shortest clip I believe this is the shortest clip. Yes. They found the ambulance in a parking garage at Memphis Airport. The crew was dead. He killed a tourist, too. Got his clothes, cash. By now, he could be anywhere. He won't come after me. Oh, really? He won't. I can't explain it. He he, he would consider that rude. It's over. She's dead. It's not your fault it worked out like this. The thing is that Lecter said everything we need to catch him with is right here on these pages. Only I can't. Dr. Lecter said a lot of things. <coughs> He's here, Ardelia. Yep. <coughs> uh, when I was watching the um, director's commentary, Demi pointed out something interesting that from the Lecter escape scene up through that scene right there where um, Clarice is talking to her friend. friend. It's about... F- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's about five minutes, and there is no lead actor in that. It's all completely supporting actors and supporting cast yep, during that, cool. which is interesting. I didn't even think about that, but obviously mm-hmm. the director did. It's like, so you've got your main character. They're not there. Right. And it's just, it's it shows how important it is to have supporting cast as well. That's very cool. I mean, technically, Anthony Hopkins is there. <laughs> He's just not really doing anything <laughs> except laying there. Yeah. yeah, it's. I guess it's not him, but like you're made to believe it's him, but yeah. he's not actually sharing the screen from a, um, you know, a cognizant point of view, if you will. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. An autonomous yep. point of view, but yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so we get a quick uh, glance back at Bill's house, uh, and we now see that Bill, what he's been sewing, is a uh, human flesh. 
making a woman suit. Yep. Um, so now we jump back and we've got another clip. Is this Lecter's handwriting? Clarice, doesn't this random scattering of sight seem desperately random? Like the elaboration of a bad liar, Ty Hannibal Lecter. Desperately random? What does he mean? Not random at all, maybe. Like there's some pattern here. Yeah, but there is no pattern or the computers would have nailed it. Or even found in random order. Random because of the one girl. The one he weighed it down. Uh, Frederica Vimmel. Uh, from Belvedere, Ohio. First girl taken, third body found. Why? Well, she didn't drift. He weighted her down. What did Lecter say about the first principles? Simplicity. What does this guy do? He covets. How do we first start to covet? We covet what we see every day. Hot damn, Clarice. You know her. Yep. So they're figuring it out just like Lecter knew that she was capable of doing. She's working together with Ardelia, but they're she's figuring it out in uh time is of the essence, but uh She's got her next mission. Um, she realizes she's got to go to Belvedere, Ohio, and uh, visit the Frederica Bimmel's house again to see if there's anything she can uncover that was missed by the other agents and police that were there. So um, she goes to the house. She first talks to Frederica's father, who allows her to uh, search her room in the house. Uh, Clarice finds a music box up there in her room with some, uh, she notices that there's got a sort of like a false bottom and she finds some racy photographs of Federica in it. Um, I'm assuming that Bill took those pictures of her cause he knew her. I don't know if that's the case. Cause I don't know why yeah, they I was really those pictures. out by that. Oh yeah. Yeah. They were weird. But at first I thought like maybe the dad took the pictures cause they started sewing the show, sewing the showing, showing the sewing stuff. Yeah, I know. I, I think, but I I think it was meant to be Bill that took the pictures because it's just correct. It is correct, right? I, th I think so. When I watched yeah. the behind the scenes with uh, Demi, okay, I believe so. I wouldn't get hung. I don't know if you necessarily. No, we don't need to get hung But why would she no, have the pictures if he took them? Well, no, 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 no. Because they they knew each other. Because yeah, that was the whole point. To is illustrate that, that they were close. They and, were close. You know. Uh, yeah. What I didn't like is that she left the Polaroids out for the dad to see. Well, she didn't. They were in the top well, no, of the music box. No, they were box. stuck in, they were in the music box. Like, Clarice had to find them. She saw that the top, it, it, she put it this way. It was a half-assed job of hiding the pictures. Like, if her dad did any kind of investigating, he would have found the pictures. But she did try to hide them anyway. She didn't do a great job of it. Demi you know? pointed out that this scene kind of represents, like, females often have this, like, extra sense of like this emotional sensory well it's, 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 i think thing. it's where she would have hid something in her room that could be too yeah yeah that's true that's true it's like oh i had a music box once <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, oh that sounded so creepy when i had some of the gwyneth paltrow candle crystals in there <laughs> no oh, oh, oh. That's, <laughs> so uh she goes into she uh clarice moves into another room where in a closet she finds a half-made dress with the same diamond-shaped patterns pinned to the dress, um, and everything clicks into place for her. 
because uh, they look just like the diamond patterns found on the back of the West Virginia girl. See, that's where uh, I started thinking. I'm like, is the dad Buffalo Bill? I'm like, because like, <laughs> like he, yeah. she has the pictures in their house. There's the diamond patterns. I'm like, this is like too like no, this is misdirection. Yeah. Yep. Um, she frantically ca- calls Crawford with the news that Bill is making a woman suit, and that's exactly how she says he's making a woman suit. Uh, Crawford informs Clarice that the new inf- that new information has come to light. Uh, and that he and the team are headed to Chicago to arrest the subject. Um, he tells Clarice to continue her investigation in Ohio to gather as much evidence as possible to firm up the case. Um, we go back to Bill's house, and this is another iconic scene that we're going to play because even if you don't know the movie, you know this a lot of times because of the previously mentioned Clerks. Yep. <laughs> Clerks 2. Um, so, and the song became famous, really famous because of this. Also, film. like I, I've got your timestamp, but I feel like it should have started a little earlier. It should have started with like, welcome to just surprise me. I'm your favorite podcast host of YouTube. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's true. That would have worked. That would have worked. We're talking about Bruno. It's time for a little treat. I'm like, I stop it. He said, Would you fuck me? She's like, Come on, take that bone. Oh, <laughs> like, right, like, back to back. I was like, Oh, I can. Oh, sorry. I love it. hit me like that no it is it is uh it's funny you don't notice it when you're watching it but when you're just listening also i think i started it back up in the wrong spot (laughs) i think i started a little too far down 
That's fine. <laughs> just made me laugh. So but yeah, hard. the question is asked, would you fuck me? And the answer is. He says like eight me. more times though. Yeah. I know. <laughs> but she, the way she goes, she goes, come on, take that bone right afterwards. And this is the famous uh, tuck scene uh, where, you know, he's close up to the camera and you, yeah. you see him reach down and he's tucking his junk in his legs and he backs up and it looks like he's got a vagina. And uh, that was all improvised by Ted Levine. What? Um, that was not in the script. It was not in the book. I don't know. It wasn't in the you book either. Ted Vagine? Yes. And <laughs> he thought that that would be a great way to portray the entire mindset and define the character of James Gong. Yeah, also, pretty- I got a beef because we're talking about like vaginas right now. Like, I got a beef. I fucking this morning I watched the new Tracy Morgan stand up special that's on uh, HBO Max or just whatever Max now. And yeah. uh, I mean, 90% of it was him getting talking about getting hit by a Walmart truck and getting paid, which right. I found pretty funny. But he also stole fucking Borat's line. He's like, I was with this girl and it looked like the sleeve of a wizard. And I'm like, that's Borat's line. I'm like, don't steal that. Yeah, that's true. I'm like, you know, I, I like to. You don't normally steal jokes, but like, you clearly 100% said, yeah, it's all a thing hanging down. It looked like the sleeve of a wizard. And I'm like, that's literally line for line what Borat said. That's all true. Right. Yeah. Joke thief. 101. Yeah. Don't Joke steal thief. All right, Tracy Carlos Morgan Men, Carlos mm-hmm. Morgan Mencia. Oh, I do wow. like Tracy Morgan, though. I, I do think <laughs> I Tracy, Tracy Morgan's funny Morgan's as fuck. Funny. Um, that also mm-hmm. reminds me of, do, do you remember this, Eric? The whole like, a bit whenever they interviewed anybody like Tom would always ask if they had a Tracy Morgan story. No, not really. But, oh, they did this yeah. for like two straight years. Every time they did an interview at all, Tom would ask if the, if the person they were interviewing had a story about like a comedian, like interviews, they'd always ask if they had a Tracy Morgan story and they always had a Tracy Morgan story of how insane he was. Cause that dude is like literally insane in real life. That's why it's so damn funny. Mm-hmm. Like all it's right. not a bit with him. I, like it's real. I like, I like that. I I did not realize that he improvised that. That yes. There's I have so many questions. A. Yes, you can do it. Originally, was he just? Did he just decide to drop trout like on the spot? Like I have a really good idea. You guys are gonna love this. Like, <laughs> like that's crazy to me, man. I know. I know. Come on, wow. you know you've done that before. He uh he he brought it up and he sold it to Demi. <laughs> I'll take your silence as a yes. Boy, that's so fucked up. <laughs> wow. Um. Yeah. He he he. That's his creation. He did it, and it, he's right. It yeah, it was perfect. Defined the character, you know. So. All right. So now we see Clarice is now interviewing Federica's friend. Uh, who worked with her and who shares that they both did some sewing work for old Mrs. Lippman. Uh, so Clarice heads over to Mrs. Lippman's house. Um, we're back at Bill's house. Bill is helping a moth exit its cocoon as the FBI approaches outside from outside. Um, yeah, this is that scene earlier I was talking about where it just goes back and yeah, forth. Yeah, exactly. Also, oh, well, the way he was tucked, he looked like a lip man, like a vagina lip man. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Come on, that was too funny. Look, I, I really know. like prepared myself thinking I had to behave today too, because I thought we were gonna have to like because I, I thought you know we're gonna have another guest on with us today, like a little behind the scenes. So I was really like prepared all day to behave. Like you don't understand. I was like gonna be my best behavior. It's like freedom. Joe, Joe, as soon as he found out, yeah, 
Alex, as soon as he found out Becca wasn't going to be on, he's like, he just yelled like freedom. He thought he was fucking William Wallace. Yeah. I, um, like, I want you to know, like I was really, I'm um, like per- mentally preparing all day to be on my best behavior and not be my normal self. Wow. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Got to have a little bit of tact. <laughs> so we are at Bill's house. Like I said, he's helping a moth exit its cocoon as the FBI approaches the house. He hears a distressed Precious and finds that Catherine has trapped her down in the well. And Bill is pissed. Oh, my God. He's pissed off. He grabs his gun. He's knocking shit over everywhere. Just as a very loud bell rings um, in the basement. Um, We then see an undercover FBI agent ringing the doorbell outside the house. And that bell, it's weird because Demi went all out with that thing. Like not only is it super loud, but he even had like electricity going off it's inside. Like a bug of zapper. Yeah, exactly. It was just it was kind of weird, but it was so loud and you know it made sense for him to have that down in his basement so he could hear if anybody was coming. Um, so the FBI is outside ringing the doorbell. Um, we it, it's so Bill heads upstairs to answer the door as Crawford indicates that they are about to move in. So we're expecting this big confrontation between the FBI and and Buffalo Bill, except when Bill answers the door, we see that it's Clarice, not the FBI team. Um, again, Joe's right; it's something that you sort of sort sort of saw coming, but yeah. it's still like holy shit. It was so well, you know? so well done. Yeah, so it was. It's like holy shit. Now she's got to face him on her own, right? Uh, they do that that trick a lot. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder where it originated. You know, what was the first time in cinema that they did the fake out? Yeah, that, you I know. know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they did it beautifully, man. It's still a classy trope. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, that's why I think it's why Demi did it without a problem. He didn't have an issue doing it because it is. It's mm-hmm. it's one that still works, and he did it masterfully. Uh, so um, we we learned now that Bill led him on a wild goose chase, goose chase in Chicago, so they didn't know where to be found. Um, Clarice questions Bill about Mrs. Lipman and Federica. Uh, Bill claims to have a business card for Mrs. Lipman's son. We find out Mrs. Lipman's dead. Uh, and he took the house over a couple of years before. Uh, he claims to have a, a business card with Lipman's son's uh, information somewhere in the house. He invites her in while he looks for the card, all the while asking Clarice questions about how close the FBI is to catching Buffalo Bill. Um, she's already suspicious about this character. But as soon as she sees this large moth flying around the house, she knows who who it is. She knows she's there, and she knows that's Bill. Uh, There's a butterfly poster, too, or a butterfly painting as well that's over her left shoulder in the scene. Oh, I I probably saw it and didn't even register. Mm -hmm. I think it's blue and yellow. Yeah. All right. There's like well, it's like it's um. There's that, and then there's also that little thing that spins around with the butterfly on it later. Yeah, that's later. Yeah, that's later exactly. on. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I also like was hoping at some point, like the uh, a piece of advice she got: always look back in the corner. That's the reason your dad would have came into play. Mm. Like the well, entire time she did. Doing- she did a better job of looking in looking in a corner. I know, but I really kind of wish at some point you know? she would have saw him in a corner because like that would have just tied that whole like thing together. Yep. Yep. What did uh, Joe in in the Expanse? What did the detective Thomas Jane always talk about? Corners and doors. Yep. Cover your corners. That's a and good doors. fucking story, right? So, um, she draws a weapon and confronts him, but Bill turns the corner and escapes down into the basement. 
Uh, Clarice cautiously heads to the basement, being sure to check her corner. See, I even made the note, right? Uh, she hears Catherine screaming and heads towards the sound. She then spots the woman's suit, and that's like fucked up because mm-hmm. it's like got one breast and not, you know, mm-hmm. it's not done with it yet. Because uh, mm-hmm. obviously, Catherine's going to be the finishing touches on it. So, uh, we've got our second to last clip. So, roll it, Joe. <laughs> Catherine Martin? Yes! FBI! You're safe! Stay sick in the attic! Here! Catherine wants out, obviously. She knows that, uh, you know, the time is nigh. She needs to get the hell out of there. Don't leave me here, you fucking bitch. <laughs> she's a bit of an unappreciative captor. I know. Exactly. Yeah. She's, exactly. she's not like, you'd think you'd want to be good for this first. But yeah, she's like freaking out when she's, you know, the, the actor had to portray the trauma of a victim that yes. way, you know? And yeah. Um, I have actually two quick things to touch on here. Uh, uh-huh. two two uh like trivia things one uh one is do you guys remember when we were first in Lecter's cell he did a picture in Florence do you remember what it is what he said it was something in Belvedere yeah so it was the Duomo scene in Florence Belvedere the town we're in in Ohio is Belvedere Belvedere no. yeah yep. yep and the other one was uh, so this, I actually just brought it up. So the actual, you can Google it, Buffalo Bill's house. So if you Google Buffalo Bill's house, this was actually filmed. It's 8 Circle Street, Periopolis, Pennsylvania. So Becca was telling me this in her reading. Ted Levine dated a girl two houses away from that house. Yeah. He grew so, up in the area. Yeah. He was like very unsettling that that was the house they used. Wow. You know? yeah. Yep. Which, yeah, really, really weird. You know? Yeah, that is cool. I know it's like one of those weird coincidences, you know. Yeah, he he was also afraid he was gonna get typecast as a serial killer. Yeah, I can see you that. Know? I also loved him in Monk when he got to end up landing the role in Monk. Ted Levine was he in Monk? He, he's yeah, he was in Monk. Yeah. He's also in Psych. He yeah. was the lieutenant yep. in Psych. Uh, the TV show Psych. N- I know. I don't think he was in Psych. He was. He was. He was in. He wasn't in Psych. I know he in, in I know he was um Leland Stottlemyre in Monk. Okay. In Psych, that was I think somebody different. Cuz yeah. I love I love both those shows. I watched them back to back recently again. 
I don't remember him being in Psych, or maybe I'm just confused. But I, I did love him in uh, in Monk. But um, yeah, no, it's a couple pieces of trivia there. For, yeah, that is cool. Uh, Interesting. The, the Belvedere thing. I didn't put that together the first time because they do in the movie let the viewer know what town you're in just to kind of follow along with the story. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's also huge basement. <laughs> you know, like they would have been blowing out walls down there. You know, um, you gotta have like a creepy labyrinthine kind of basement. You know, if you're a serial killer, it's the first thing you look for in your real estate, man. It's like, yeah, like hey, how's yeah? I want to go to the basement first that's a red flag real estate people <laughs> do you, you have know? any like exposed stone wrought iron right. you know yeah ages that'd be cool what you need to do is talk to the neighbor and be like man i had ribs with that dude and i didn't have a clue <laughs> <laughs> we do see mrs Lippman in this scene at some point too because oh, she, yeah she's in the tub yes <laughs> yep, definitely dead giveaway so this is a scene <laughs> this is a scene like the courthouse scene that my description doesn't even come close to doing justice. I mean, it is tense beyond mm-hmm. tense. Like it's, it's, it's like camping. So tense. Yes. So many tense. It's very, it's people who are camping cause they are intense. Intense. Yes. Okay. Uh, Demi pointed out actually one thing in the scene when they were in the, the SWAT team, was in what was it Chicago? They got yeah. the false tip. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a, a scene where a SWAT member busts through a window, and Demi said for a thriller that was the only stunt in the entire movie. No oh, shit, that's true. Yeah, mm. because you realize this is more of a psychological. And yeah, it's a, exactly. It, it's paced yep. a different way. It's not an action thriller. Yes. It's very suspenseful thriller. So I thought I was like, huh, the whole five minutes of no main cool uh, character, interesting. Yeah. That's very cool. There's literally like yeah, it's not a stunt movie. It's not that type of movie. No, that's true. You know, that's very cool. So, so Clarice heads out to look for Bill. Uh, she first finds a room with a fish tank containing a severed head, uh, and then she spots a rotting corpse in a bathtub. So that's Mrs. Lidman. Uh, suddenly, the lights go out, and Clarice is in complete darkness. Uh, we see Bill power on his night vision goggles. So, <laughs> typo. I typed night vision googles you know because that's what i'm used to typing uh so we can see a panicked fumbling clarice trying to find her way through the basement um bill is following close behind he's silently tormenting her he's putting his hands close to her face but she doesn't even see it because it's pitch black um clarice hears bill cocking his pistol and turns emptying her gun into him uh one bullet pierces a window so that we can now see that bill is down and dying um I dig this because how many movies use the friggin' trope where you bad guy shot him down and then he's not dead yet. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. They didn't do this. That fucker was dead. And he also had the coolest death pose I've ever seen. Oh, right. I know. Yeah. I know. Yep. Yeah. Realistic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? This is the point of view shift. I was talking about at the beginning too, Doug, where it's the point of view of him with the goggles. Yes. It's not Clarice because she's literally in the dark. So now you can't see from her point of view. Exactly. Um, it's also, there is one technical error here where he holds the gun out. You can see light going to Clarice's back from a, yeah, from a light see, source, see the shadow, but, but right. that's because without light, you couldn't have shot the scene. Right. Yeah. So right. You, they literally had to do it. They but just yeah. used the night vision filter over the camera. So they had, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I, I saw that. I saw that too. That's pretty cool. Uh, so we are now outside the house. We see Catherine's being escorted, escorted, escorted to a waiting ambulance. 
as Clarice is comforted by Crawford, who made it with his team to the house too late, but she did it. Like we talked about from the very beginning, she's been on her own since the start of this. And at the end, it was her versus the bad guy and she won. So um, we are now back at FBI headquarters and we see Clarice receive her diploma from the Academy. She is now an FBI field agent. Uh, We've got our last clip folks, and we're going to bring this baby home. Special Agent Starling. Huh? Special Agent Man. Phone call. Excuse me, Jim. Starling? Hilch, could you take our picture? <laughs> sure. Look, I just wanted to say congratulations. And uh, I'm not much good at this kind of thing, so I'm going to duck out of here. Okay, sure. Um, thank you, Mr. Crawford. father would have been proud today. Don't forget your phone call. Starling. Wow, Clarice. Have the lamb stopped screaming? After letter. Don't bother with the trace. I won't be on long enough. Where are you, Dr. I have no plans to call on you, Clarice. The world's more interesting with you in it. So you take care now to extend me the same courtesy. You know I can't make that promise. I do wish we could chat longer, but... I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Dr. Lecter. Dr. Lecter. Yes. Uh, So, yep, at the end there, uh, Lecter calls Clarice one last time. uh, And he's going to have a friend over for dinner because in that scene, we see uh, Chilton getting off a plane down in the Caribbean island and Lecter's following him. Um, he says, I'm, gonna, I'm having an old friend for dinner. Having an old friend for yeah. dinner. Which was and, confusing at first because I didn't see him at first. And all I saw was all the old people getting off the plane. Oh. Yeah. No, he's there. Uh, those, I think uh, Anthony Hopkins was saying that when he was following Chilton, he actually wanted to s- strut kind of like a cat, following oh, him did. slowly like a cat yep. would almost have this like suave, yes. like like a fat cat following and knowing. 
No, nah, yeah. he did. He did. Uh, so, folks, that's Silence of the Lambs, the Silence of the Lambs. I always forget the the at the beginning. Um, it's okay. A lot of people always put the in front of things like Eagles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or Eternals, which is the name of the movie, not The Eternals. No, it, it, we shouldn't say The Eternals. We should say Shit Eternals. Yeah. We should mean, say. But it is Eternals it's and Eagles. Eternals. The, 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 the shitty movie. It's, it's like um in, in the Boondocks. When um the guy's like it's a pimp named Slickback, the Mister is not necessary. <laughs> just you, but you say the whole thing like a tribe called Quest. <laughs> That's my favorite character in that entire show. Is Cat Williams plays a character named a pimp named Slickback. <laughs> One of the biggest douchebags to walk the planet. Actually, Earth. he's quite a small douchebag. He's not very big he's at a, all. <laughs> he's he's a bigger douchebag than yeah, the aforementioned Kid Rock. <laughs> he's not very big. He's really small. He's tiny. Well, I know he's tiny, but you can be tiny and be a very big douchebag, and he accomplishes that quite easily. <laughs> but again, not as bad as Kid Rock. That guy's a massive douchebag. Mm. Sorry. Yeah, Kid Doug's Rock's opinion- a douchebag who's opinionated like... Opinionated Doug just came out. He's going to shut up now. Kid Rock <laughs> is a douchebag, but at least, you know, Cat Williams makes me laugh. Uh, he doesn't make me laugh. Nothing he's ever what? does make me laugh. Because he's... He, no, not, why? Because he's a fucking douchebag. And he doesn't get, he doesn't, uh, he's not allowed to get my laugh because he's that much of a dick. And you know what made me laugh was uh, seeing a picture today of Kid Rock drinking a bottle of <laughs> I know, wasn't that great? Yeah, Kid, wasn't Rock, Kid that Rock great? is straight just trash though. Yeah, well, he, the funny thing is he's not even trailer trash because he comes from a rich family. I know. So he's worse. a poser. He's a po- he's poser trailer trash. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to move on. So the movie's over. There's only one thing left to do. Yeah, there is. I am a movie critic by trade, and until recently, I got paid to tell you people which movies merely stink and which ones you shouldn't screen near an open flame. Well, I'm putting the burden of lousy movies back on you. It's very simple. If you stop going to bad movies, they'll stop making bad movies. If the movie used to be a TV show, just don't go. After Roman numeral two, give it a rest. If it's a remake of a classic, Rent the classic. Tell them you want stories about people, not a hundred million dollars of stunts and explosives. People, it's up to you. If the movie stinks, just don't go. If the movie stinks, just don't go. You love me. You really love me. It stinks. It stinks. It stinks. Are you not entertained? Yeah. We were all entertained. There's no question about that. How entertained? We're going to find out in a minute. And we are going to start with our guest of honor. Alex, you know the rules. Zero to five decimal points. What do you got? All right. So as I mentioned at the onset, was spoiled with doing my favorite movie, No Country for Old Men, then doing Jaws, and now doing Silence of the Lambs. I feel like I have a, I'm, I'm pretty happy and honored with my streak so far. So, like like Joe had mentioned, it's hard to not think of Anthony Hopkins, even though Clarice is kind of the main character here, right. like the, the most main. And as a as a as, as um kind of a connection with no country for old men which has three main characters that don't share the screen clarice is the only person that sees all the other three 
people like yeah. you, you don't you don't see James Gum with Hannibal and you don't see Hannibal with Crawford like you they just they don't share anything and she's the connection um I like the cinematography that was the thing that always drew me in at the beginning and reading up on it like the whole the, the reason that the DP wanted to do from the point of view of Clarice made even more sense when I watched it after as an adult the whole it's directly on her which they say is some of the hardest acting for an actor to do anybody's talking to her or she's talking it's slightly off screen as you said at the beginning doug it gives it this unsettling yet intimate feel having the camera mm-hmm. that close jody foster said that you couldn't move very much when acting because any bit of movement would go out of focus or just be off the camera so props to them on that um there's classic scenes there's classic lines there's stuff like we said that if you've never seen this movie don't even know the name of the movie you probably know this clip or you probably know this section you know um it's entered like the zeitgeist like i said um i love everything about this the acting is top notch here um it's paced well it's it's pretty fast it's on the faster side but they have to do a lot i know demi said he would he didn't want to cut because of length he only wanted to cut for like continuity and stuff like that so they got rid of subplots that all said because i want to make sure you guys can say some stuff that isn't you know echoing what i was <laughs> saying because i'm sure we're probably all on the same page for the point system i think i'll go 4.7 here Ooh, nice me. nice 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 yep. all right i don't i don't remember what my jaws one was i know that my no country was 4.9 yeah it's just out of the idea of Nothing's perfect, but um, yeah, th- uh, four point seven for Science of the Lambs. You gave Jaws a four. How's that's not right? Yeah, I know it should be like more yeah. like a one. <laughs> <laughs> you gave Jaws a four, Alex. I thought it would have been higher than that. Yeah, it, it, it could have been the fact that like I had only done two but, movies, so I was. Well, I have or Joe Alex, made some good points. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Oh, Joe made no. That didn't no. happen, Joe. I think it's because Joe was jumping on your shoulder the whole time. Yeah. You know what I will say too, Doug? Like, if we were doing a re ratings, it might be different because since doing that movie, since doing the Jaws episode, I've learned even more stuff from it and appreciate it even more. So that's kind of like why you guys do re ratings because it's not like, oh, I'm not going to watch it again for five years or learn some thing or. That's exactly why, not because we need some filler content. (laughs) 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 You nailed it. But it's good filler content. It is. So, speaking of Joe. We're going to go to Joe. What do you got there, buddy? All right. So um, a lot of times when we're watching movies, I'm the guy who will point out the thing that Doug has to be like, suspend your disbelief or one in 14 million. <laughs> uh, I didn't find myself having to do that ever in this movie. Like that's, that's how well thought out the plot of this movie is. Every single thing was set in motion except for, you know, the hiding in the corner like that one. I, but I'll give him to him. But like, I would have loved that payoff of him being in the corner. That's the only, that's the only minuscule little tiny thing that I could see that was a setup that didn't pay off later in the movie. But other than that, I, they did, did what I want the movie to do. They gave me a solid fucking story. Start to finish. They gave me intricate plot lines where this affects this, even though these two things don't connect all the time, which I love when that happens in a movie. Like that's why I like movies like big trouble, for example, is because Something happens here that affects the story here. However, the two never cross paths. Um, right. It's, it's incredibly well made. The acting is fucking top notch. Um, it felt very authentic. It felt real. 
Uh, like I said, I watch a lot of crime procedural shows, and this felt real. Like it didn't feel like fabricated. It didn't feel extraneous. It didn't feel like supernatural, or it, it felt like this could be a real story I was watching mm-hmm. on a fucking crime documentary about in the future. Like if somebody like in the future like made a documentary about like that actually might be a good idea. Like make a documentary portraying this to be like a real life event. Like I think that'd be pretty cool. Like uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's got an idea in my head. So okay, but anyways, I I thought it's fantastic. Um, so originally I was looking at this and I'm like, I gotta give this a high score. I'm like, it it deserves a high score. I'm like, it, it can't beat my best movies ever, but it really deserves a high score. And I was gonna go four point six, and then the end credits rolled, and there it was, and all its fucking banyan glory. <laughs> and I was like, I gotta go four point seven. Because <laughs> that's my rule. If there's a banyan, it gets a point one increase at least. I love it. So yeah, I I'm going four point seven. All right, I dig it. It's it's fucking fantastic it. movie. Excellent, Eric. What do you got, bud? Uh, I love this movie. I think it's fantastic, man. I think it's so well done. I agree with everything that that uh, that Alex and Joe have said. The only thing I have against this movie is that it's always been billed as a horror movie. No, it's not. And it's not a horror movie. You don't think um, so? It's a psychological thriller or yeah, like a crime or procedure. Suspense. Yeah. Suspense. I'd put it anything. either one of those genres is fair or a crime procedural, you know. I, I would not okay. call it a horror movie by any means, though. Yeah, there's some horrific things in it, yes. but it's not a horror movie. Um, it's like a, it's but, like an episode of, like, fucking NCIS. But that's me grasping at straws to find something negative to say about uh, an otherwise, you know, really, really fantastic movie. So, um, I'm right there with you guys. I think I'm going to join the party and give this movie a 4.7. Excellent. So for me, everything you all said, hundred percent, I agree with it all. Um, I love your scores from a movie making perspective. It's to me, nearly flawless, just like back to the future. It's got like one of the most solid scripts ever. And the just the movie itself, how it was made, how it was directed, uh, the the color choices, the set choices, everything just top notch. I know this is probably taught in film schools as well, just like I said, like back to the future. Um, so and then the story. It, it, again, it's a movie that back in the day I I probably watched this damn thing once a month. Um mainly because of what we talked about the fact that it was on cable all the time and it was on usa or it was you know whatever channel it was on i it was one of those i stopped and watched it and i hadn't seen it in a while and it picked up right where i left off not having seen it in a while i mean knowing the lines that were about to be spoken things like that so all that said i am i'm gonna i gotta go higher because i brought this to the table i'm going to 4.8 on this one all right um so that will definitely put it up there as one of our highest ranked movies ever i'm gonna deservedly so Mm -hmm. uh it it puts it uh numbers number eight number seven pardon me seven yeah the only movies ahead of it are Big Lebowski, Raiders, Jurassic Park, Back to the Future, and the two Avengers uh, movies. Interesting. So, it deserves to be there. Deserves to does. crack the top ten for sure. This I movie agree. Is fucking it does. unstoppable. So, cool. I had a lot of fun with this one, boys. Yeah, Hell me too. Yeah. You know. Um, 
Gotta, Absolutely. <laughs> want to give you a chance to, to plug it up, Alex. You know, yeah, tell people where they can find you. What, what, what can people do to make your life easier? Sure, yeah. So uh, you can find uh, any of Copper Sound products at our website, coppersoundpedals.com. Find all of our goodies there, our swag, our merch, our pedals. You can also follow us on socials. We're probably most prominent on Instagram. You can check us out there and give us a follow. We've got um, a fun release coming end of August into September. That's going to be really interesting. Um, So check out that type of stuff and uh, come along for the journey. If you're a pedal nerd, if you're casual, if you're looking to build pedals, we do a DIY section as well on our website. So if you've ever thought about tinkering that way, listening to Joe and listening to Doug talk about guitar pedals and whatnot and thought you want to try it, you know, now's a good time to try. And um, we look forward to um, sharing our experiences and our fun stuff with you. And maybe I'll come back for a fourth one at some point if the gentleman will have me. Oh, you yeah. know you are. Know you Actually, while you were just talking, I was just thinking of something, and I'm going to put out these, these guys in the spot, and I know what their answer is going to be already, but if you want to cut an actual commercial, we'll just play your commercial on our show randomly here oh, and yeah, there, yeah. too, because we need commercials, oh, yeah. and it's not like a... You, pay for thing we just want to like hook our friends up with with uh you know space. Oh, absolutely we so, would do that every episode if you cut me a commercial and send it to me um in google drive i will make sure it gets put into episodes it's yeah. a- audio only i'm assuming right? yeah yeah yes. audio only because yeah. we don't do yeah. video really but yeah, yeah for sure i'll uh I'd like yeah to offer i'll you that yeah i appreciate that i'll uh I'll, I'll sleep on that and think about something and uh maybe we'll work something out Get yeah alex on. just just Tell make Jordan sure he's got to do it yeah <laughs> The only thing is you got to make sure it's like a three plus minute. Yeah, long. it's got to be super fucking long. It can't be short to the like point. Like our stupid commercials. Yeah, exactly. we, we don't do commercials that like are, you know, you know, manageable. It's got to be no, fucking horribly no, long. We have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. So maybe you can teach us a thing or two. Yep. But uh, so. on that note, we do have some people to thank here. We do. Mo, Mo, yes, thank Mo. you to MoToWit.com. Just call Mo. Uh, if you were injured on the go, just call Mo. If you have to get into a storage space and you can't get the door open and you got to use a 1975 jack and you cut your leg on the door, just call Mo. What if your uh, what if your skin gets taken off to be used as a suit? hundred percent. That is yes. a yeah. You better have Mo in your phone saved, and you just hit that speed dial, buddy. Mo, yeah. my skin's gone, bro. Yeah. What do I do? What do I do? You don't know what to do in a situation like that. You got to call your friend Mo. Do it. Uh, yeah, if you get uh, thrown down into a well with a dog, just call Mo. Um, if you're being forced to put lotion on the skin, just call Mo. Uh, <laughs> what if you don't get a new auto trader? It's like an auto trader from two months ago. Psychological harm. I mean, I'm not That's a true. I'm not an attorney, but certainly you could ask Mo that question. Well, the problem is the Hemi that you want is going to be sold out by the time you get to call because you know it's an older issue. If you can yeah. prove damages again, I'm. This is me. This is hyperbole. I'm not an expert. And I want to make sure I get the one with the foot shaped gas pedal already installed. Hundred percent. Right. And the die on the shifter. Yes. Um, yes. Again, justcallmo.com. We also have some uh, patrons to thank. Yeah, we do. We do. These fine folks. They give us money every month. You know, we've begged for money previously in this episode with our very, very long, ridiculously long ad that we've got to work on. But we want to thank the people that do give us money every month. Um, it makes us happy because I guess we make them happy. And that's why they do it. We're going to start off with founding member Hannah Christ. And we've got Mr. Peter Bianco. 
From the Tone Jerks podcast, the second button podcast, and the Off the Rails podcast, Mr. Brian Gower. Our co-host on the Just Surprising podcast, as well as the Sharing Maps podcast, Will Lehu, who will be a guest coming up. That's going to be cool. From the Signal Path podcast, the Texas State Boggle Chance podcast, the Texas Size 10-4 podcast, and a recent guest host on this very podcast, Mr. Tony DeGraw. We've got uh, next, Mr. Michael McVeigh from the great state of Tennessee. Go, Michael. Keep doing what you do, buddy. Proud of you. Next, I want to say hello to Michael Van Zandt. Dude, two weeks, and I'll be sharing my Vegas stories with you, bud, and then we can figure out where to send you when you go. And last, but definitely not least, Mr. U. G-Rection. Thank you, Mr. Rection. Visit patreon.com slash... M-O-T-C-U to support the show, you cheapskate. Yeah. All right. So it was fun, guys. Uh, it was. It's really the only one thing left for us to do now. <laughs> Lights. <laughs> Love your suit, camera. Uh, the beans fuck off. Yes. Hi, friend. Uh, this is Eric Pabone, and I'm here to talk to you about art of Eric Pabone. That's what I do. You may be familiar with some of my work. Um, you know, I've drawn some weird shit for Tom and Dan, semantics, just generally for people around town. Or you might be familiar with my work from this show, where my co-host Joe uh, makes weird fucking commission requests all the time. You can make weird fucking commission requests. That's right. Hit me up, uh, visit artofericpabone.com or find me on social media at artofericpabone and I would be happy to, for money of course, draw anything your twisted heart desires. Again, that's artofericpabone.com. <laughs>